So today we are moving on to the last one in our series of uh, rocks, rocks of the Heart. And um, before we start, can anyone tell me which ones we've done already? Just shout them out. Apathy, Apathy brilliant. Self-sufficiency, perfect. Judgment, disappointment. Unbelief. Unbelief is today, brilliant. You've already heard the message, you can go Lorraine, it's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. so we've heard some amazing messages already. And I don't know about you, it's been like an emotional, spiritual roller coaster through these, these preachers. There's times where I've walked out of here and I've been like, I don't, know, I don't know if I can take what, I've, what God has just done to me because I didn't realise I had such an issue with something. Or God's really spoken to me. I don't know if you remember Dom's preach about disappointment. I walked out of that and I thought, God, I didn't realise that I was still being affected by some of the disappointment in my life that I'd gone through. And I just walked away saying, thanks. Thank you, God, for removing that from my life. And I just want to encourage you that if you've missed any, like I've still got to listen to one, I've got to listen to Robbins, um, I know I've got to listen to the others as well, uh, um, that if you haven't listened to them, listen to them, they're online, grab them, listen to them, because God does things through his word, God moves in his, pow- in his power, through his spirit, and I just encourage you to listen to them, because these rocks that we've been speaking about over the last few weeks have really, really, really just need to be smashed and gone. And God, gonna, once they're gone, I feel like God's just going to release us into a new place. Just release us and send us out, send us forward. And we're going to see amazing change in, in your personal life. And I also, at the end of this, will come onto it into our, into our town of Hatfield as well. So I hope you're excited. Um, if you want to know more before we start, I've never done this before. I'm so excited. I have a book. Uh, <laughs> I haven't read it all yet, but uh, I've, I've read some of it. It takes me a long time to read, I'm sorry. Um, but the stuff I've read in this is actually amazing. It's incredible. So if, if you've not read Sustainable Power, please, please read it. Oh, awesome. Yep. There we go. Is that better? Fantastic. Yep. As Mike said, the batteries aren't sustainable power. Uh, but this book <laughs> talks about the Holy Spirit and God, which is our sustainable power. So grab it. Right, let's move on with today. Today we are talking about unbelief. Now, before we start, I'm going to pray because I think this is huge for us. And I think we need to be switched on to what God's going to do today because I believe he's going to be transforming some of us today, all of us, ideally. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you that you're just an amazing God. And Lord, we just pray that as we come to you right now, Lord, I pray it's you that's speaking, not me. Lord, I pray that you just use me just to say what you want to do. And Lord, I just pray that you open up every single one of us here, even me, to hear what you're doing this morning and to remove this rock from our life. Lord, we do not want to be a people of unbelief. We want to be a people of faith who move in your power. So, Lord, just let let us be willing to listen to you this morning. Let us be willing for you to move in our lives and let us be willing for you to transform us. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Okay, as I said, I think this rock is of huge importance to us. The area of unbelief. Now, 
when a, when a series was started, uh, before, when a preaching came out, I was at DR, uh, with DR and Jackie sitting at the dinner table, uh, I think it was dinner, and um, we were laughing because DR was like, oh, I give them out to people I think will be really passionate on the subject, to be really good for them. And Jackie said, what, do you think Sam doesn't believe then? And I was like, and I, I laughed, and we all found it funny. And then I started writing the preach and I was like, whoo, God, I think you gave this one to me for a reason because there's stuff in this that I'm like, I didn't realise that I was unbelieving in this way. I didn't realise that I was struggling with certain things that were going in my life because of the area of unbelief. And so my challenge is for you today, this might be a hidden rock in your heart. This might be one that you think, I'm fine with this. I believe God. I believe you can do all things. But actually, is, is there a rock? Of unbelief in your heart today. And I'm going to start by asking you a few questions. Who believes, and if you don't, that's fine, we're going to talk about it. Who believes that God uh, is our God? He's a one true living God. Who believes that? You can say yes, it's interactive, I don't mind. Yeah. Yes, brilliant. Who believes that Jesus died on the cross and he's risen again? No. Yes. Brilliant. Who believes that his power, God's power, is never ending? Who believes that through God's Holy Spirit and through God, we can heal people? Yep. Who believes that people can be set free by the power of God? Yep. Who believes that people can be placed from, taken from a place of death and placed into a place of life because of Jesus? All of us, if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian here today, I would love to talk to you about that, because that, that is the most amazing thing that's ever happened in my life. Um, and lay is your close second. Um, but, I, <laughs> but I just want to say that God, that is a compliment, God, we say these things about God. If I was to ask you the question, everyone's response straight away, yes, we can have healings. Yes, people can be set free. Yes, people can be saved. We don't doubt it with our mouths if I was to ask you the question. And I am exactly the same. I was, and I thought about this, I said, yes, people can be healed. Yes, people can be set free. And then I started writing the preach. And then I realised that there's a great phrase in the Bible that just sums up my heart position quite regularly. I believe, help my unbelief. And that's where we're starting from today. I believe, help my unbelief. Okay, so unbelief, what does it even mean? So I went on Google, typed in unbelief, and what came up was an absence of faith, which surprises me because I didn't think it'd be particularly faith-related. I was like, maybe there's some secular way of just saying what unbelief means, but it just says an absence of faith. And so that pretty much sums it up. And when we look in the Bible, when we see unbelief, it's often the word can often be also used as a lack of faith or your faith when we're talking to your belief. There's definitely a parallel between them. I think today that we need to look at the fact that we can have a conscious belief but a subconscious unbelief. Yeah. And that's where we're going. As we said, you all said, if you believed in Jesus, that he can heal. We can do all these amazing things through God. But sometimes our subconscious says different. Sometimes the way we think, the way we act, says different. Now, before, also, I want to point out that when we're thinking about unbelief, it doesn't 
affect your salvation. I thought that's really important to say at the beginning. If you go to pray, say Robin came to me and said, oh, I've really hurt my knee. And I go, mm, I'm going to pray for you, but I'm kind of doubting whether God can do anything here. That doesn't affect the fact that I'm saved. It doesn't affect that God has saved me. God has taken me from a place of death to a place of life. And I think someone here needed to hear that this morning as an early point, because I feel like as we journey through stuff together, I just want you to be clear, don't get worried about that. Don't get worried that, oh no, I've doubted in all these ways. Maybe I'm not even a Christian. That I wanted you to hear that your salvation does not depend on whether, on whether you have faith that someone's going to be healed. Okay, let's carry on. So what causes... Us to unbelief. I should have a, a slide for this. Brilliant. So what causes it? First of all, we can take offence to God's plan. That can, let, that can let unbelief creep into us. Do you want me to put it on my pocket, Chris? Is that easier? Down here. Do you want me to move it? Okay. So, sometimes we can take offence to God's plan. Now, when I was thinking about this, the best way to sign them up is, I don't know about you, sometimes you're like, God, please move in this way. God, I really want this job. Or God, I really want to, I don't know, you might pray, I really want to go out with this person. Or God, I really want to become a millionaire. Or God, I really, really want to be wise. I might, want, I might have all these things I ask God for. Or you might just say, God, please act in this situation. God, I'm having this really hard time at work. Can you please act in this thing? But how often do we ask that with a response that we want God to do for us? So when we say, God, please act in this situation, you've already, I don't know, I do this, you've already gone, God, when I'm asking this, I really, really want you to act by maybe removing that person from work or maybe getting that person to come and give me a hug or something like that. We have our own precepts of God's plan, but God he is way above our understanding. And we need to grasp onto that. And when God doesn't move in the way we've asked, unbelief can creep into our life. Now, a great, great story for this is a few years ago, there was a few team leader jobs coming up at work. And I really wanted one. I was like, God, I believe that you want me to be a head teacher in a school. I believe that you want me to further my career. I believe that you want me, part of selfishly, I was like, God, I'd love some more money. And I was like, God, I'm praying for this. And I said, God, if, I, I remember saying, God, let your will come in this thing. Me thinking your will is I'm going to be a head teacher one day. The interviews happened. On the day of the interview, I was really ill, um, and I, I could barely speak going into this interview. And I was like, it's all right, God, I know you've got it because it's in your plan, so it's okay. If I can't speak, it's fine. You'll use something to, to like, make me get this job. The, uh, all the interviews happened. They gave out the results, or, and I didn't get the job. And I was like, God... What are you doing? Like you, I, I said, I'm certain you've said that I'm going to be a head teacher one day. I'm certain. And when I look back, I'm thinking, I'm like, God, how silly was I? Um, because when I look at it now, all my questions I asked God were so selfish. They were so like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I personally really want this. And I'm going to believe that, God, you want this for me as well. And because he didn't act in that way, and he still acted... I let unbelief creep into my life. I took offence to God's plan because it wasn't my plan. 
And when that happened, I started to doubt and question whether God really, really had good plans for me. Because my plan, which I thought was was good, wasn't God's plan, which is perfect. Okay, so sometimes we let offence to God's plan creep in and cause us to unbelieve in future situations. Second of all, we don't believe in others' witness of God. So, it could be um, that we essentially just saying we reject the person coming to tell us about their stories. It could be an amazing story at the front. Someone could come up and be like, oh, God healed me in this way. God set me free from something. And in our hearts, we're like, "Mm, really? And we let unbelief just creep in. How much is that is true? How much of that is true? Now, in Mark 6, verses uh, 2 to 6, Jesus is in Nazareth, his hometown. And uh, he's... He's done, he's basically, he says he went to the, he's on the Sabbath and he did amazing teaching in the synagogue. And they said, who, everyone who heard him was astonished by what he was saying. So they, they were like, wow, this is good stuff. They went away and um, Jesus was carrying on his stuff. And they were like, isn't that Jesus? Isn't that Mary's kid? Like, and this is essentially what it says. And then they stopped believing because of who it was. And it says in his word, he said, Jesus says this. Um, Jesus, when commenting, he comments on Jesus and he said he marvelled because of their unbelief. He said they healed some people, but he could not do, he could do no mighty work there except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them and he marvelled because of their unbelief. I don't know about you, when I read that I was like, that's quite powerful. The fact that, first of all, that Jesus marvelled at their unbelief. Second of all, they stopped what, liking what Jesus was doing because of who they thought he was. Because they thought he was just a carpenter. They thought he was Mary's kid. No. Now, one thing we have to look at here, and God really gave me this, this phrase. He said, don't let the vessel distract you from God's, God's message. Don't let the vessel distract you from his message. Sometimes we can see who comes up and we've heard about judgment already, and that's hopefully that rock's been smashed in our lives, and we go, really? Or, mm, I know their background. Or, maybe they're not telling the whole truth. How often do we let the vessel distract us from God's message? And when we start thinking like that, unbelief creeps in. It starts to have an effect on our heart. And if that's you, because I, I, when I was praying about it, I feel God said it's big. For some people hear that one. If that's you, first of all, God just wants you to repent to him, just say, sorry, I shouldn't have thought like that. God just wants you to say, yeah, Lord, I'm so sorry. You've got a plan and a purpose for everyone. Don't let me unbelieve or don't let me judge these people. And then maybe if you feel it's right, apologise to that person. If you think that's the right thing to do, God will tell you and guide you on that. So let me say that phrase once again. Don't let the vessel distract you from the movement of God. Because when we miss out, we miss out on big things. We miss out. And when we start, this leads on to our next point of a cynical heart. When we start thinking there might be a, a hidden reason why someone might be sharing, or it might be that, you're like, oh, do they just want a bit of limelight? Do they just want a bit of fame? Do they just want people just to 
just to think, oh, that's amazing. When we start thinking that, when we're starting to doubt, we, we, sometimes we justify of ourselves good reasons behind that. But what we're really doing, we're starting to doubt what God's done. We're starting to doubt that. We're starting to fully, we, we, we go from a place of full belief that God could do healings, that God could do a place where he releases people to go, mm, I'm going to question it a little bit when someone actually tells me about it. We all said at the beginning, we all said, yeah, God can do this. Someone testifies and our cynical heart goes, really? I know God can do it, but Really? And then unbelief just comes in. And the more we think like that, the more we go, hmm, take it a little bit next, next step further. It's like your unbelief and your cynical heart just grows and grows and grows. It's like one of those, um, it's a bit weird. I quite like bursting spots. Um, do you know those videos you see online? I, I'm addicted to them. I Pray for my release from that. Um, I, I love it. I literally love bursting spots. And it's getting, yeah, getting the pus out of it, getting like the cyst where it squeezes and it all shoots out. I feel God was saying it's quite like that. <laughs> that sometimes unbelief is like a spot or a growth that just keeps on growing until we deal with it. The cynical heart is like that. We keep on letting it grow and grow and grow until we deal with it. And for me, there's quite a lot of joy in seeing the, the pus shoot out or whatever. And it's like that. When God deals with it, all of that pus and that horrible gunk that's in your body is just removed. It shoots out. God just takes it and goes, you know what? I can smash that in a second. I can squeeze that in a second and it will just go. It will just go. But unless we deal with it, it grows. It grows and it grows. I hope I haven't grossed you out with the, with the, with the passing, passing spot. <laughs> yeah, we'll cover that one in marriage prep. Um, and I just want to say, from me, when I was writing this preach, this point really hurt me writing it. Really hurt me. I was like, in a good way. I felt God say to me, do you know what? Sam, you have been that person. You have seen or heard a story and gone, really? Your cynical heart crept in. A thought that wasn't my thought came into you. And I remember writing this preach, and I'm getting a bit teary now, like getting really teary and really like being like, God, I'm so sorry that I judged one of your people and I missed out on your message. I missed out on it fully because my cynical heart said, why are they doing that? Or can they really be free? fully free from that addiction or is it going to creep back in later on and I, I remember just being a broken man in front of God when I was writing this going God I am so sorry and I thought that's what God wants to do for some of us here today is that this rock of unbelief is going to break some of us as it breaks it might not be this point it might be later on when we cover some other stuff and you're going to be thinking wow that hurts but God is removing something from us that is wrong we don't need to judge. We don't, when we do that, when we have our cynical heart, unbelief creeps in. And for me, um, when I look back at how that started, that was at big conferences. I don't know about you. Generally, you go to big conferences and you hear these stories at the front. And I'm not saying don't discern, because discernment is an amazing gift of God as well. Do that, wait up, it says in the Bible. But it's when you go beyond that, and before you even heard a word, you've gone, really? And, and what you want to do, 
uh, for me, uh, it was big conferences. People would come up and tell stories or you hear testimonies. I'd be like, that's amazing. That's great. I'd be like, salvation's brilliant. That wouldn't affect me at all. Healing. Yeah, OK, that's great. Then it'd be like, you have been set free from this. I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, and I'd go and weigh it up. And then as I kept on weighing it up, I realised I went from weighing it up to judgment. I went from weighing it up to doubting. I went from weighing it up to being cynical. Focusing on being cynical rather than focusing in on God's movement. And when you do that, you miss out. You miss out on <laughs> celebrating God. You miss out on glorifying God. You go from a place where you glorify him to a place of being cynical about what he's done because you're judging the vessel. And then when we start thinking like that, unbelief creeps in again and again. You think the next person goes up, mm, not so sure. And you may have started on a really small thing, but eventually it just grows and you start doubting so much stuff. I also thought, how, what causes it past events? I don't know about you. And this is where the white ball comes in. I don't know about you. But past events can really affect our belief in God's power. Do you ever think that uh, disappointment, as we heard from Dom, of not seeing someone saved, or disappointment of not seeing healing, do you ever think that might affect our spiritual, our spiritual walk if we don't deal with that? We heard an amazing preach from Dom about disappointment. But I think it goes beyond that. It creeps into unbelief as well. For us, when we, we, I don't know about you, when you pray for someone, you're like, yeah, I know God's going to set them free from this, or I know God's going to heal them from this. You're like, God, you have all power and all authority, and you give it to me, and it says you'll do greater things than me. Then, and then you pray, and the person doesn't get healed. You pray, and a person dies. Sorry. And um, sometimes our journey can be like this. We can start like here, if we have like our little grid... We can have like our faith kind of level here. Just put an F for faith and put a T for time. That would do. And it can be that we can start here. And we're like, God does something. And we go up, we go up. And then maybe something, maybe something like doesn't go the way we want it. And so we still go up, but we go at like a slower rate. And then we pray again and something doesn't happen. And we kind of level out. And then we pray again and something doesn't happen. And we're missing God moving at this point because we're like, yeah, we're just missing it. And God's still acting. And so we start to go down and we go down. And then God starts to do something, does something in our heads. God does something amazing. So we shoot back up. And then something else doesn't happen. And we go down. And then God does something and we shoot back up. I believe that is our human way of looking at God's power, our human way of looking at God's movement. Because realistically, if we go, imagine this is like infinity up here, God's power doesn't change. God's power to do everything doesn't change. Our thought process on God doing something changes. Our belief on God doing something changes. And for me, when we're hitting those lows and we're coming onto, that, coming onto it later on, we need to do something about it. Because when we start being like that, it really affects our belief and how we act in our day-to-day lives. Yeah, again, I think that one is really big for some people here. You've had past events that have really knocked your belief and your faith that God can do things. You've got, it might be the healing one, it might be that you have prayed and prayed and prayed for someone to be healed and they weren't healed. It might be that you prayed and you prayed for people to be, become Christians and they haven't and they've died and, or they haven't and they're still living and you're like, God, what's going on? 
And the disappointment we heard about leads us to, to the next time something happens. You go, I prayed last time, nothing happened. I'll say the words, God, because I know, I know I'm supposed to. And when we're on that downer, we need, to, we need to deal with that. And that's where our church family comes in and we pick each other up and go, you know what? This is true. We tell stories. of um, When we have testimony time, it's not just because we like hearing stories. It's because we want to glorify God. And it picks us up as a people. And we say, yeah, actually, someone was healed. When Manjit shared about those amazing miracles, there was like, what was it, seven in three days or something like that. That was just incredible. We, that story type, that just picks us up and goes, you know what? If, even if I'm on a downer, I can, God is still moving all over the place. And he's moving in my life. I'm just struggling to see it right now. And when we start thinking like that, unbelief doesn't have a place. Because we're still seeing God moving. When we, when we become insular and think, God's not doing anything right now. The devil's like, yeah, I can shove this rock of unbelief into you because you're not looking at what God's doing. You're just looking at your own life. And you're missing what God's doing in your own life anyway. So we move on. Remember those. Okay, I'll read them just quickly again. Offence to God's plan is number one. That we reject the person because of who it, God's work, the message, because of who it is. We have a cynical heart, maybe about the person, or maybe we doubt the movement of God slightly. And then past events. All those can lead to unbelief coming in. So, you might be thinking, yeah, I unbelieve, but is it really a big deal in my life that I might struggle every so often in believing things? Or it, maybe it's there, maybe it's quite... And you're thinking, it's only a small rock in my life. Does it really have that much effect on me? <laughs> I come to you right now and I say, yeah. Like, it has a huge effect on the way you live your life if you've got even the smallest rock of unbelief in your life. Um, sustainable power. If you want to read it, there's a whole section on unbelief, a whole chapter on unbelief. And there are loads. He just, Simon Hoy just lists loads of effects on your life. Um, so read those if you want to know more. And we're just going to focus on a few this morning. The first one is unbelief causes us to fear and lose focus on God. So this, when God was talking about this, he said it's a situational fear, a situational unbelief where you're in the moment and suddenly this unbelief comes in, it's there and it just comes to mind and you start doubting. Now the person that really came to mind with this was uh, Peter. I, I love Peter. Peter walking on water is one of my favourite stories in literally like the whole Bible. I love it. And um, I think, when I read it, I think, well, such faith for that man to get out of the boat and start walking on the water. I, I, wouldn't, I probably would have been one of those disciples going, yeah, I'm going to stay here because you said you're doing it. At least I'll see if someone can do it. And if it works, then maybe I'll get out afterwards. And it's like, I'm like, wow, Peter has the faith to step out of that boat. So he steps out. If you don't know the story, Jesus is calling him. He says, come, come. So he's walking on the water. Then he, gets to, he starts to fear and he loses focus on Jesus. And he there's a lack of belief that Jesus can sustain him walking on that water. And he starts to drown. Jesus grabs him, picks him up and says, and walks him back to the boat. And as I said, he's had amazing faith to get this far. And then he's told this. And I'm like, this is like the most cutting line. Well, one of them you can probably hear. He said to, he said to Peter, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
imagine you were one of the other disciples. I think, what's he thinking about me? Because I didn't even get out of that boat. And he said to Peter, oh, you have little faith. And I'm, I've, just been, I've just been sitting in the boat thinking, wow, this is amazing. But in this case, it gives us such clarity about how much belief means to Jesus. How much faith in him means to him. How much faith in God really means. He walked on water. He came back to the boat because he started with Jesus because he, he doubted. And he didn't have to believe. And Jesus says, oh ye of little faith, why did you doubt? That shows us amazing things there. As I said, first of all, that faith is a big deal to Jesus. Big deal to God. Second of all, is that we have no reason to doubt because Jesus wouldn't have asked the question, why did you doubt if there was a reason to doubt? He, Jesus asked that because he's like, you don't need to doubt me. I am powerful beyond belief. My father, God the father, has all power. You have no need to doubt. That's why he asked that question. I don't know if you ever thought that. Why did he ask that question? It just came to me when I was reading it. It's like, why did he ask that? But it's because he's demonstrating to the disciples that you do not need to doubt in these situations. As I said, I feel God was saying this is a situational fear, a situational unbelief. Now for us, it might not be walking on water. Next time you go to the beach, I'm not saying that your fear and your doubt is is going to stop you from walking on water. Because it's probably not an everyday occurrence for us to be called out onto the water. But for us, it may be something very different. It might be when God speaks to you for, a, for someone and gives you a word for him. It might be in a church context. It might be in the supermarket. It might be at work. And he's like, he's, you hear God saying, tell him that thing. And unbelief just comes in. We fear, we lose focus on God because we think of the surroundings. Unbelief has a huge effect. It might be the simple thing of sharing your faith with someone, saying, yeah, actually, I am a Christian. This is what God's done for me. It might just be that. It might be, I don't know about you, do you know when you hear people talking about faith, talking about church, talking about different things, and you're like semi-part of the conversation, and you're like, oh, this is my moment to step up into this conversation. You can feel God saying to you, say what I have done. Do not doubt. Say what I have done. And yet you go, whoa, my... It's like in that moment, it's like a Peter moment. It's like the waves come rushing around, the wind. You suddenly realise it's all there. You're like, oh, there's people there that might hear me. You might be all right telling these people, but what if they hear me talking about Jesus? And then you're like, you suddenly, you've gone from focusing on hearing God to looking at the surroundings and going, I can't even remember what God's told me to say now because I'm so consumed with the surroundings that your unbelief has crept in. You've missed out on what God was doing right there. But there is hope in that situation because you say, God, refocus me, and he picks you up like he picked Peter up out the water and says, it's fine, it's fine, I'll walk with you, I'll walk with you. It might be that you, need, you feel God's asking you to pray for someone. And when I say pray for someone, when I was praying about, when I was praying about this, God says, pray someone for someone in the moment rather than saying, I'll go home and pray for you. Which is fine. It's okay to go home and pray for people. But do you know that thing where you hear God saying, you should really pray for them? You're like, okay. So you go up to him and go, yeah, if God's told me, or I might not say God's told me, it's like, is it okay if I pray for you when I get home? Is that all right? Um, But what God's really told you is to pray for him now. And at that moment, yet again, we get consumed by the fear. The fear at that moment 
it, we, we think of it is that fear is greater than the presence of God. Now, that blew me away when I thought about that. In that moment, the fear and the unbelief, that our little faith, we think is greater than the presence of God. And I was like, whew. I was like, God, that's powerful. <laughs> and actually, we know that he is far beyond that. He is far beyond that. Second of all, unbelief. Oh, yeah, unbelief can limit what God can do through us. Now, this is quite uh, a big point when I was thinking about it. There's a, there's a story in the Bible in Matthew 17 where it talks about the disciples. They go, they, there's a guy that's um, a boy that's got uh, a demon spirit in him and they pray to, for it to be cast out and um, it doesn't happen. And Jesus comes along and he's like, cast it out. And they're having a conversation afterwards, the disciples and Jesus. And um, Jesus says, you didn't believe. You didn't believe. It's like your, your faith. Your faith is what stopped you. And that is an uncomfortable passage to read. That, is un- that makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable when I read that. And I'm like, they asked, but their limited faith meant that Jesus came along and did it instead. And that just shows again at the rock how powerful this rock is. We need to smash it. We need to get in our mindset that God can do all things. When we pray for someone, God can do all things. Now we need to be clear that this is a very, very delicate point. There is to fully understand this point, you really probably needed three days, let alone like 30, 40 minutes. To really get to the bottom of what does it, what were the, what did the disciples do? What was their heart position? What was their faith? Did they have no faith or, or what? But what it shows us here is that faith means something. At a very basic point, faith means something. Now, me and Jackie were talking about this this morning, in fact. The moment where you're asked to pray for someone for healing. And then you're like, do you know what comes out of the blue? And then you're like, well, I'm going to pray, but am I really, am I really believing this right now? And so you, you pray. But is there doubt? Massive doubt? Do you, I don't know about you. Do you even, before you're praying, you're like, God, I don't even know if you'll do this or you probably won't do this. If we're being real, sometimes we have to, today I'm being real with you guys, that there's points where we can think like that. And what's that? That is the enemy working and saying, do you know what? If I get you thinking like that, you're going to doubt greater things about God. How often do we ask, or where do you think the answer is no? That is, uh, I was crying over there, a bit teary, because um, this is a really personal one for me. Grand, my granddad, who's now dead, he, um, he, isn't, he wasn't a Christian, and... I know where he is now, uh, unless something amazing happened just before he died. Um, no. But realistically, when we read the Bible, we've got to be real about what it says. This is why it's so important. This is why I charge you to go out and tell people about Jesus. I remember praying for my granddad and already thinking that he cannot change. He was, he was I don't even know how old he was when he died, but he was an old man. He'd lived a tough life. He lived in Australia. That's not why it was a tough life. But um, he lived in Australia and he... Um, he was so against God. He was so against God. You talk to him about it and he just shut down on you. 
And I remember praying for him and being like, God, I'm literally saying these words, but I know the answer is no. And I look back and it, it hurts me when I look at that. But I'm not saying that to discourage you. I'm saying that to encourage you. To look at my example there and say, Do you know what, I don't want to be like that. I know, looking back, I'm like, God, you could do that. It was a real moment of weakness. He can take anyone. I don't know about some of the stories you hear. Like murderers. You hear people who have like paedophiles. You've heard all these things. And God just moves in and just changes them and saves them. Who was I to say that my granddad, who said a few horrible things about God, couldn't be saved? Who was I to say that? And when we hear these stories and when we hear stuff in the Bible, God doesn't talk to us to bring us down. God talks to us to build us up. So as you hear these stories, let it build you. Let it go, do you know what? I can have faith in those situations because God can do it. We've seen it endless times. God can do it. And what I'm saying to you is now, the effect on us of sometimes, sometimes the effect on us of this rock of unbelief is that we pray already thinking the answer's no. How great is our God? How limited is our understanding? And how great is our God that he can do all things? And the, will it make a difference thought? Have you ever thought that one about prayer or about some movement the church is doing or some movement like the wider church is doing? Will it really make a difference if I join in? Will it really make a difference if I start praying for something? I don't know if you... Have anyone ever thought that before? Yep, good. Glad it's not just me, because I've got home now. Uh, no. Will it make a difference? And something that really got me on this one is prayer walking. Like, the, ch- the church's initiative of prayer walking. When Dom first mentioned it, I had that cynical heart that I've said well, I dealt with, um, God dealt with this week with me. I was like, will it really make a difference walking out and speaking truth over, over places, speaking life? I've been out, how many times has it done? Four or five times, maybe. It is incredible. Like, you walk out and like, you are just speaking life and truth and God's spirit over these buildings. Your businesses, you're saying, we are asked for profits for this place and honesty and things like that. You're speaking truth and God's, God's truth, the only real truth over all these places. I've gone from a place where I was like, will it, make it really make a difference? They've been excited for the next time we're going out to do it because it does make a difference. And as we've heard today about the, the mission week, get out and do it. Take that thought of, will it make a difference? I believe some of us still think about that, about prayer walking. Like, Take it just to go, do you know, that's just my unbelief. God's going to smash that out of the way and I'm going to go out and I'm going to pray for these places. It's amazing. It's amazing. But we don't need that thought of, will it make a difference? We need the thought of, God, I'm excited for what you're going to do. Okay. Now, it seems a bit doom and gloomy so far, which isn't great. But sometimes God deals with that, with the real stuff. It's real. And he takes us forward, takes us up. The next point is God rewards faith, even if it's small. Now, an amazing story in the Bible is the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. Now, thankfully, when I say bleeding, she's on a period for 12 years. Um, and that can't, I've never had a period, but that can't be, that can't be comfortable. <laughs> Thanks, John Simons. That, that can't be comfortable. I'm, I'm sure ladies here can testify how, like, you 
I don't know, few, few, four days is it? Five days is it last? I don't know. But um, I should have done some research on this, but I didn't really want to look into it too much. And so that for those four or five days, and I've seen you late, that sometimes... The moods can go up and down. They can be uncomfortable. You can have like pains and stuff like that. And it's not. And, but this woman has had it for 12 years. 12 solid years of bleeding. She's been cast out from society. And yet, she has faith to go and touch Jesus' cloak and she is healed. How much does God reward faith? So much so that a woman just touched his cloak. And he was healed because of her faith. It says this line. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. That's how important belief is. That's how important faith is. Touch the cloak. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, I don't know. When I think about this, is that the thing that screams at me is small faith, God moves. Tell me that passage where it's like, Nick, my favourite passage. Faith, as small as a mustard seed, can move mountains. Um, small faith, big movements of God. Now that is exciting when we look at this area. Let's smash the unbelief. Let's have a small bit of faith, ideally a massive bit of faith. But even if it's small, I can move a mountain because God told me that in his power I can do it. I can, a woman can be set free from 12 years of bleeding because of her small faith. I can do all things through Christ because I have faith. And he has blessed me with his spirit. Now that is exciting. And a second small point on that is sometimes when we look at area unbelief and we say past events, sometimes that was 12 years. That is a lot of time to keep faith just to touch a cloak. I don't know if you thought about that. She's like, really? Like, 12 years and I'm going to touch his cloak? Like, she, even that, that small faith after 12 years of bleeding. I don't know about you. If you've been going through something for 12 years, you might be thinking, I'm stuck with it for life. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. She still has the small faith to reach out and touch the cloak. And I really want to commend John Simons here. And, hi, John. And I just want to say that when it comes to praying and faithful things. John is an amazing man in that. You might not know this. He's in our home group. Uh, don't laugh, John, because it makes you look, makes you look like I'm lying. And, um, but um, he will come to you and I'll, I'll be at home group and be like, oh yeah, I've really hurt so-and-so or something's going in my life. And he'll go away and he'll pray and he'll come and he'll, even if I might have forgotten about it, he'll come and see me and go, Sam, how is that doing? And I'm like, oh, actually, it's still going on. He's like, okay, I'm going to go over and pray again. And he'll come back and see me and he'll say, Sam, how's it going? I'll say, oh, it's got a bit better. And he'll go, okay, I'm going to go away and pray again. And he'll keep praying until he sees, until you say to him, it's gone. And that is such an example of little faith. Don't know about you. 12 years? What are you thinking after 12 years? Some people say it was a last resort to touch the cloak. I prefer to look at it as the Bible says, your faith. Her faith. Okay. Up on the screen, uh, the next slide, please. Looking at the contrast between a belief-filled life and a life without belief. Without belief, we lack action. Without, without belief and a faith, we look at the moment of a situation and we, we're scared to move. We're scared to speak. We're scared to act in Jesus' name. With faith, 
We see a situation, we go, God's got it, or God's with me, I'm going to do it. It's fine, I'm going to step in. Even if God answers me in a different way, I know God's still in control of all things. A lack of purpose. When we don't have belief, we lack a purpose. We, we don't understand why we're even here. Like, it's like, God, why are you even using me? God, why? I, I, you don't even do anything through me. We lack purpose. With belief, we know God has, he knows he uses us. He's got a plan for us. He says, I want to use you. I'm going to send your Holy, my Holy Spirit in you, and I'm going to send you out. When we lack belief, we lack boldness in situations where we hear God asking us to speak. When we have belief, we are so ready to speak and pray. We're like, yeah, God, you, God, you're above all things. And it doesn't mean we're not going to have moments of weakness. But when we have belief in knowing who he is, we're like, yeah, God can do this. And lastly, when we're without belief, we have a lack of knowing our identity. Belief comes in. Uh, unbelief comes in. And we start to question the promises of God about who we are. The fact we will be filled, the fact we will do greater things, the fact that he will be with us, and all these things on the Freedom in Christ card that you can read up yourself. When we have belief, that, that identity causes us to have joy in who God has made us to be. I don't know about you, but I love joy. Joy is great. Okay, moving on to our final point. How do we identify it, get rid of it, and avoid it? Okay, so pretty big stuff. First of all, we are human. So we're going to let unbelief slip in at some point. It's, it's our natural disposition as humans to let that in. So there's going to be points where it's going to just slip into our lives. I'm going to read some, um, some ways out of how we can tell if we've got that rock even in our heart. First one, are you cynical when you hear others have heard from God because you don't hear the same way as them? So they've heard something, they've said how they've heard it, but you're cynical because you don't hear God in that way. You don't, you don't know God in that way. Second of all, do you first perceive situations as impossible or possible with God? If I, I, I say to you, if you see a situation and you think that's impossible, there's a rock of unbelief there. Whereas going, oh, that doesn't mean you don't recognise it as tough or as hard, but you recognise that my God can sort that. Next one. Do you doubt, minimise or analyse others' experience of God's power? Like we said earlier on. When someone shares, you've you spent ages weighing up or analysing the truth in it or what. And as I said, you need to discern, you need to weigh up because it's in the Bible, but do we take it too far? Do you think situations in your life will never change or can't be changed? If that's there, if that's your fault about some situations in your life, then I, I say to you, there's a rock there. Because God can change it. He has all power and all authority. I don't know how many times I've said that this morning. He has all power and all authority. <coughs> and I've got um, three stars for the next ones, because I think God is really saying these are big for some people. Do you control situations and people because you're scared to let go and trust God? So do you try and control your surroundings and control what people do because you're scared to let God control your life? Guide you when I say control. You're scared to let him guide you, to take you. So you try and control everything around you to give you that sense of security. 
Instead of just going, I'm going to trust God in this. I'm going to trust God. Next one. Another one I feel is relevant to some people. We've heard it today already. Do you unbelieve in worship? Now that sounds quite weird, doesn't it? Do you unbelieve during worship? Do you really believe the word you're singing? That's essentially what it means. Do you really believe the truths that are up when we, when we sing it? Now, um, a quick story. We've just, just got enough time. Um, there's a song that says, you're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. That song is amazing. And when I sing it, I'm excited. And then I, I realise it that, actually, do I really believe that? And um, it's an area in my life that I struggle with. And that's the area of money. I find it, I've always wanted to save. I've been a saver all my life. Like, spend a little bit, save a lot. And um, since slipping down to, two, to three days, um, money's obviously become a different issue for, for me and Lay going forward. And um, I sing that. And I, walk, I could literally could walk out the building and someone could mention finances. And there's days where I'm like, oh, I start panicking. And I start worrying. Like, do we have enough money for this? Do we have enough money for a wedding? Do we have enough money for a car insurance and stuff like that? But I've literally just sung, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. It doesn't say that. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down apart from the area of finances. Like, we do, I don't know about you, do we ever do that where we start adding on bits? It might, it might not be finances for you. It might be a house. It might be, I don't know, you, I pray God highlights an area to you. You sing that line and you go, apart from X. And the last one. Do you read his word and not really believe the promises that are in there for you. And I, when I was praying, I felt there's someone who, when they did freedom in Christ, they really struggled reading those cards about who God says they are and the promises that he says over your life. And that might be in a few of us, but I think God is saying there's someone here who still, every time those cards are mentioned, there's a pain that comes in them, an uncomfortableness, because you doubt the promises of God for you. So we're going to pray for that later on. Okay. Brilliant. In fact, I'm going to pray now. We're going to pray now. This is going to be our first response, and we've got a tiny bit more. Then we're going to have our final song and response during that. If you're able to, I'd like you just to, if you want to stand, you can, but just be ready for God just to, just to speak to you. Because um, I'm just going to pray that God highlights an area of, first of all, highlights whether you have a rock there, and second of all, highlight the area that he wants to deal with today. So I'm just going to pray. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you that you're a God who has all power and all authority. We thank you that we look at our own lives, even, even though we doubt sometimes, you say you can smash this, this rock of unbelief. We thank you the fact that you give us your power, the fact we can speak into situations, and the fact that we can, in your, in your power, people can be set free, people can be healed. So Lord, I just pray right now that you just come and, and identify in all of our lives, first of all, wherever there is the rock of unbelief there. And second of all, what area is it that, that causes us to unbelieve? So that we're just going to wait on you. Speak to us now. Amen. God, God might still, he might have highlighted it to you already, but listen, because he might still be willing, to, he still can still talk to you about it. So avoiding it, this is our last bit. First of all, to avoid it, know who God is. 
He's the creator of all things. He's all-powerful, as we've heard lots of times. He's our father. He's a perfect father who loves to give you good gifts. He's loving. He loves you. He loves you and he loves you. Look at the cross. The cross in itself, look at that. What? There's no greater love, it says in the Bible, there's no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love. God did that for you. He is love. He loves you. So know who your father is. And he is faithful. All his promises are true. All of them. There's not a few that he just forgets about. All of his promises are true. Next, know who you are. Get those cards we spoke about earlier on. Know who God says you are. Know that you are loved. Know that you are chosen. Know that you are adopted into a family, God's family. Know that you are never alone. It says in his word, he'll be with you to the end of the age. Know that you are full of the Holy Spirit. And it says, keep on being filled, so keep asking. Know that you're given authority. You're given authority. And that story said earlier on about the, the, the demon who the disciples couldn't cast out and Jesus did it. The end of the passage says this, and I've, I've quoted the verse already. If you have faith like a grain of mustard, you will, uh, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. What an amazing way to end that story. The disciples haven't been able to do it. And Jesus says, you can. You can. Nothing will be impossible for you because of me, he said. And once we know who we are, it's like the Matrix. Has anyone seen the Matrix? Where Neo's given that that pill and he, he sees... He sees the real world around him and he sees who he is. And he has that moment where he realises he actually is the one. Apart from his name, Neo should have given it away. But he realises who he is. And it transforms his thinking. He goes from, maybe I can do it, to realising who he is, I can do it. And that's the same for us. We need to not maybe know who we are. We need to know who we are in God and know that we can do it because of God because he works through us. That's our transforming thinking that we should have. We can do it because of God. Okay, and last, uh, last two bits. We need to know that God has given you his power and his purpose. He's saying, step into your calling. Step out. He's calling for us. He says, go to all the nations. Tell people about me. When I say his calling, you might be thinking, well, it's a bit, bit hard to think of that. Read it in his word, he says, go and tell people about me. Make disciples. That's a calling. And he says, know you go with heaven's resources. He doesn't say, step into it and I won't be with you. He says, step into it, I'll be with you and you have heaven's resources with me. You'll carry peace, you'll carry my power, you'll carry my authority. I had a... Two quick stories. I had a dream the other night. And it's quite funny. I was talking to DR and Jackie about how I've never had a dream from God. And I'm not, I'm not sure this was from God. Not like the one DR spoke about, about the desserts and the elevators and stuff like that. But God used this dream. I never remember dreams, ever. God used this dream. I might remember for half an hour. I, God used this dream to talk to me about what I was preaching on. It was this, uh, we were in this, I was in this city and there was people around me. And this, there was, I was had this tour guide, and this tour guide was saying, oh, be careful, because there's the world's most dangerous snakes here. 
the world's most dangerous snakes. They're, really, they're massive and they've got the worst venom. They will, the moment they bite you, they'll kill you. They'll, they'll just poison you in a second. And everyone looked really scared because when they looked around, there were snakes everywhere. And then and I, look, I remember being me and I looked around and these snakes looked slightly bigger than worms. And everyone was like so scared. And God, God spoke to me. He's like, that is what it is for us. People tell us to be fearful of what other people think. Or it might be a different thing for you. But to God, these snakes are like little worms. And you don't have to fear them because God is with us as we go out. Do not fear these little snakes. Yeah, they might bite you, but cast them away through God's power and God's authority. And believe like a little child. Believe like a little child. Children just have faith, don't they? You say to them, do this. They believe or they do it. It can be done in the right and the wrong way. But God is always good. So when he says believe, you can believe because he's always good. Grab onto that. Okay. And remind yourself of these things. Share stories. Sing songs. Pray to God. Read the word and believe what is said.